As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, Merry Christmas week to all of you. It is Wednesday, December 23rd, and that means that I'm your host, David Ubbin, here with my co-host, as always, Josh Kendall, the Athletic South Carolina writer. Josh, Auburn has a head coach. The uh, white smoke emerged from the plains, and Brian Harson coming from the blue turf all the way in Boise. He's got a long history there. I first heard of him back when uh, I believe Mac Brown brought him to Texas to revamp the Longhorns offense. Mild success there. Uh, didn't really help Mac get his career off the ground, but he's had a lot of success. Um, 69 wins in, you know, six seasons at, uh, uh, or in seven seasons over at, uh, at Boise. A name that people weren't really keeping an eye on. Surprised a lot of people. A good coach. What what do you make of, of the Tigers? Kind of springing one here. It feels very Auburn to me. It's 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 authentic to who Auburn is. They ran what appears to be, and I look forward to reading the full behind-the-scenes story of <laughs> a crazy coaching search, a very Auburn coaching search, and they landed with somebody outside of the normal spectrum who might be a great hire. I have contended for a while – and, and on this very podcast, I believe, that crazy works for Auburn. Auburn has found their niche. The, the Native American um, warriors who rode their horse backwards and did those kind of crazy things, that's what Auburn has decided we're going to be. This is how we're going to do things. We compete against the Death Star in our state, and we have to do things differently. So by golly, we're going to do them a lot differently. And it leads to a roller coaster but I would argue that over time, Auburn has outkicked its coverage, has outperformed its expectations as much as anybody in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And I think they've done it by kind of doing it the Auburn crazy way. And God bless them. I love them for it. Yeah, you know, a lot of wins, a lot of uh, experience uh, organizationally. Obviously, a head coach at Arkansas State before going back out west. Um, where more of his roots are in Boise. 
I have two main concerns. You know, this might work out. It might not. If it doesn't, I think you're going to have two pitfalls. One, Boise's playing with a stack deck. They're playing with better players than a lot of the teams in the Mountain West. So, you know, winning that many games is impressive, yes. Um, but it's a little bit like, um, you know, UCF has better players than a lot of the teams in the American. Um, it's sort of like that. So, not to discount it, but it's it's not like he was running it up. I mean, you have a, a really proud program that a lot of coaches – you know, have done obviously Chris Peterson um, most famously there, um, but a lot of coaches have won a lot of games at, at Boise and helped build them into a, a brand. Two, it's a recruiting juggernaut at Auburn. You have to recruit big, and recruiting is about relationships. And he doesn't have a lot of Alabama ties. He hasn't spent a lot of time in the South. That might be an uphill battle. I'm not saying he can't do it, but if it doesn't work. That's going to be one of the reasons why it probably doesn't work. And so we'll see where it lands, but I'm very, it's a, it's a, there's reasons to be nervous, I think. There's reasons that it might work. And like I said, we've talked about this for a month. I've never been more or less confident uh, in, in sort of projecting coaching hires. And there's reasons for optimism, there's reasons for concern. And uh, my tepid take is, we'll see. <laughs> well, I agree with you that this this is almost recruiting is the linchpin of of Brian Harson's foundation and whatever success he may or may not have. I would argue though that Auburn brings with it a certain recruiting infrastructure mm-hmm. that he will be able to plug into. I would imagine that Rodney Garner. <laughs> who is an old-school SEC recruiter, stays on that staff. I would wager that other guys stay on that staff, that the support system that's around Auburn still exists. I think he'll be able to plug into that and recruit okay. I have no idea if he'll be successful or not, but I think he'll be able to plug into that and recruit okay. I like the fact that we've seen his emails now where he is advocating getting out of the Mountain West. Go to the American, yeah. Whatever. He's got that sort of crazy edge to him that I think, you know, that I feel better about making him a fit at Auburn than if he was just this solid. You know, I I, I don't want Auburn to have a guy who's just solid and stayed and, you know, run of the mill. I want Auburn to have somebody who's a little, who's got a little bit of an edge. And I don't think they can do it without that. I think that, or, or at least they don't believe they can do it without that. So they may have, they may have found their guy. You know, they may be looking again in 18 months, but they may have found their guy. Or yeah. I'm not sure he's their guy. He's a guy that'll work. <laughs> yeah. I, um, it, I, I'm just surprised. You know, we heard so many names, and, you know, this time of year, it seems like, the you know, there's five or six of the same names that come up for every job, and then there's a couple jobs that pull somebody that's out of nowhere. You know, this year it's, it's Billy Napier. It's Mario Cristobal. It's speaking, Freeze. Speaking of Billy Napier, I can remember, <laughs> I can remember having a certain sense of accomplishment in my career when I had visited every SEC stadium. I had seen a game at every SEC stadium. I think that Billy Napier wants to do that with interviewing for every SEC job. <laughs> I mean, he 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 must have a punch card. He must have a punch card in his wallet. He can just go click, click, click because you know. 
he is going to be the guy. You know, he might as well be on speed dial. As soon as you have a, as soon as you have an opening, call Billy Napier. Let him come to your school. Tell you um, that he's not interested, and go back and release a tweet from Louisiana's athletic department. That's just kind of the <laughs> cycle we've gotten into with Billy Napier. I like it, and I'm very interested to see. You know, you mentioned it. What Harson's staff looks like. How Boise is it? How Auburn is it? You know, it doesn't sound like. You know, there was all that chatter about, well, they want Kevin Steele to stay on, and they're scaring people away. Uh, okay. It doesn't sound like that's going to be the case, but maybe it will be. We'll see. I'm really fascinated to see what that staff looks like. And uh, I, I think there will be plenty of Auburn on that staff, whether it's the guys that are currently on that staff or guys that have ties to Auburn. You know, that's clearly important to those people. And, you know, those people have a lot of lot of say and a lot of sway in that process. I think there's going to be plenty of Auburn one way or the other on that staff. Yeah, I think I think there has to be. I don't think you can bring uh, a bunch of blue Broncos down there and expect to succeed. I think one of the things that you have to do as a head coach anywhere, understand the strengths and weaknesses of your program and understand how to accentuate those strengths and um, sort of coach around those weaknesses. Every program has them. Um, and you got to have some people that know the program. Um, and so we'll see. It'll be interesting. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Josh, from one coach that's hired to one coach that uh, is definitely not uh, on the hot seat but is in a uh, uh, a little bit of heat this week, Dan Mullen down at Florida. The NCAA has come knocking uh, to the Gators' door. Dan Mullen uh, given a one-year show cause, which does not mean that he has to go away for a year. Basically, just uh, some pretty strict recruiting sanctions. Uh, Ford had already enacted some of this stuff, basically all centered around some impermissible contact, in-person contact uh, with a prospect uh, in Seattle. Uh, Level 2 violations. There were no uh, um, level 1 violations. There were some like seven teams that came to campus on, on, on their way to a tournament in Tampa. That was a level three violation. Not exactly the, uh, the sexiest stuff, uh, Josh, but the impact still uh, recruiting. What, what did you make uh, of this situation where Florida finds itself? It sounded like a bigger deal when it landed. You start digging into the details of the case, the punishment. I, I am not exactly losing a lot of sleep over this if I'm Florida. Oh, absolutely not. But I, I continue to be amazed. But my first reaction was, I continue to be amazed, maybe too strong, but surprised and borderline shocked by how far we have moved the bar and just keep moving it. I mean, it used to be that a show cause order was a big deal. Literally, 75% of college football fans won't remember tomorrow. May not rem- remember now. Mm-hmm. Certainly don't care most of the Gators fans are just happy that he's cheating because that means he's trying. And <laughs> they're completely fine with it. But, you know, I, you know I, I, I beat up on LSU. I feel like I beat up on LSU a lot, and I apologize for that. But LSU is you know, sitting on two coaches in their two most prominent sports 
who have been accused slash acknowledged slash been tied to major NCAA issues and I don't know that there's any indication that either one of them is going to be gone anytime soon because of that. We're no. just moving right along. Hugh Freeze, you know, looked like he was on his way back to the league and we can all still hope. It's just, you know, we, we've moved so far down the road in such a short amount of time that, you know, I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what constitutes an infraction, an NCAA violation that would shock us anymore. Yeah. But this certainly doesn't the, – the details of this, you're right, certainly don't rise to that level. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see anybody, uh, you know, wagging their finger at, at Florida. Uh, I think the great philosopher uh, Al Davis said it best, uh, you know, just win, baby. And if you do that, it fixes, it hides, it makes things go away. And Florida, last I checked, has won a bunch of games under Dan Mullen. Um, you know, this stuff is more proven. The NCAA is actually involved. And you think about how this landed around Florida. You compare that to the situation at Tennessee where you have an internal investigation. The details are very scant. It doesn't sound like it's that major of a deal. The NCAA is not even involved. And you would have thought they were investigating murder at Tennessee versus Florida, which is actual violations, actual punishment from the NCAA. And people are kind of like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like exactly. Okay. <laughs> so again, you know, if you lose, you give people reasons to 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 try and get you out of there, and if you win, you give people millions upon millions of reasons to make sure that you don't go anywhere. Uh, sometimes that line gets blurred when we talk about buyouts, and that line can be moved very quickly. Um, but again, this is sort of what things what things are in the SEC, you know impermissible contact you always heard you know around the big 12 coaches like to turn each other in for violating the bump rule this is not quite that it's a little bit different it's kind of a similar rule but um yeah i again show cause you know probation recruiting sanctions big words but when you look into it and especially considering that a lot of this stuff florida has already served you know much ado about nothing i suppose uh Am I wrong? I mean, I, yeah, I, I honestly think it's a feather in Dan Mullen's cap. I, I'm, I'm not being facetious <laughs> when I say that. I think there is no downside, and he wins over his fan base to an even greater degree, I think. Yeah. Win games, that's that's the best recruiting job you can do. You know, show develop people, win ball games, put people in the league. Relationships matter, organization, all those things matter. But if you're winning games and putting people in the league, that's recruiting. Elsewhere in the SEC, the bowl season is is sort of upon us. Uh, Slowly dwindling, thankfully. Yeah. Is that uh, what you're for? So, Tuesday, South Carolina. Uh, are we going to call that an official opt-out? I don't know if anybody used those terms, but they're not going to play in the Gasparilla Bowl. Sure. I mean, if we're talking about players opting out of the season, South Carolina has opted out of the Gasparilla Bowl, you know, to the yeah. chagrin of a small handful of people and the delight of some others at tennessee some positive tests come back on monday including jeremy pruitt vols season is over uh i I think at this point and at south carolina too forgive my interruption but south carolina too it was mostly an outbreak among the coaching staff that led to the problem we were worried about the players who had a little bit of a free time after the regular season mm-hmm. being a problem in terms of going out and coming back and infecting people. Looks like some of these coaching staffs 
might have just said, you know what, I'm going to the mall and I'm just going to walk around no mask for six hours because we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get this over with. Now, it leaves UAB, the CUSA champion, high and dry. But, listen, we're sitting here as we record this. This is December 22nd. A lot of schools are letting kids go home for Christmas. I remember some of this bowl conversation was, well, are kids going to want to, you know, basically not have Christmas to play in a bowl game? It looks like the more schools than not are going to let their kids go home for Christmas. Listen, UAB, uh, don't take those pads off just yet. No, uh, keep practice. I think UAB, you know, there's what thirty some bowls still out there. Uh, UAB is going to have some some folks. What did it, it took less than twenty four hours for Army to find a bowl game? Uh, yeah, there's no there's no question that we're going to see more of these. There's yeah, no way that UAB Tennessee is upset, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised, dear listener, by the time that this uh, hits your ear holes, that uh, UAB is, has found a bowl opponent. Uh, but ultimately, uh, there's going to be a lot of shifting. The one thing I appreciate about this season, and it's especially laid bare as we talk about bowl tie-ins and bowl season, is how many of the rules in this sport are just made up, are arbitrary things that people oh, yeah. can just decide to change because they decide to change them. I mean, we kind of saw that the biggest example of this was, you know, the playoff is going to blow up the sport as we know it until it doesn't, and then, well, we're going to have a playoff now, and then it's great, and then everyone's very excited. Well, we were, we were told for decades that a playoff, you know, couldn't be done uh, well, until the people that can decide decide that there is a playoff, and again, bowl tie-ins, bowl matchups, all of this stuff, you know, uh, G five access to the playoff, all of these things are sort of just kind of made up, and you know, we can't schedule games unless it's fifteen years out. Well, nope, that's not true this year. I hope some of these things stick long term. Some things are going to stick. Some things from this weird season are going to stick. I'm less optimistic that it's going to be the good things. I'm more worried that You're it's going right. to be the the bad things from our perspective, the limited no practice, access, all the Zoom, Zoom access, <laughs> those types of things. So that's what I'm worried about. But I, I, I don't think we're going to have to wait long for business as usual on those other things to snap right back into place. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Any games uh, stand out to you? Andy and I were talking the other day. You know, Andy is very excited about Ole Miss, Indiana. I like uh, the Aggies reuniting with Mac Brown. Any any bowl matchup that's particularly uh, exciting? Ole Miss, you? Ole Miss, Indiana for me. I mean, Lane and Tom Allen for me is a great matchup. I think I think Ole Miss is fun to watch, win or lose. The no um, panics takes a little bit of the air out of the balloon for me personally. It it does, and Indiana probably. My guess is can't keep up offensively. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not a great Ole Miss defense. But you know, you you would think that Tom Allen, you know, j- just to just to see him have a crack at that, I'm interested in that. Um, I want to see Texas A&M Carolina for sure. <clears throat> you know, I what's the over under for rushing yards in that game? Total rushing yards, seven fifty. Uh, yeah, mean, probably something like that. So can can Carolina? What does Carolina's run game that we saw against Miami look like against the Texas A&M defense? I'm a big believer in, in you know, the teams. Some teams are going to show up and just not give a rip. Some teams are going to show up with, with 55 players, for one thing. Some are, you know, no matter what they say, I think that some teams just are going to show up not giving a rip. So I'm always a little hesitant to read too much into these bowl outcomes. 
But you know, any time to see, any time to see Ole Miss and and Lane play. Speaking of the Auburn head coaching job, maybe we maybe we land there. Yeah, um, I'm I'm for that. You know, the Aggies are interesting because they, the Aggies sort of believe at this point that hey, our team is not built to beat teams sixty two to fifteen or whatever. Uh, they control the line of scrimmage. We'll run heavy. Let Mond make some plays, but. Um, fewer possessions, not as explosive. They sort of look a little bit like some of the older um, Bama teams somewhat. And they feel like when you look at the playoff, it's a lot of sort of score watching and maybe it's not as impressive and the quote-unquote eye test doesn't uh, doesn't it, it hurt them this year as college football. Um, you see Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama, of course, um, put up some really big numbers. So Ohio State's capable of doing that as well. I'm not sure I buy that, but for this week's Professor Ubbin segment, Josh, we're going to flip the tables on this. Uh, the student becomes the about teacher. Time I had, it's about time I had some power here. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it go to my head. I'm not even going to pretend I'm not going to try. So go to my head. the Aggies, you know, they have a they're, – they're a fun bunch. Uh, they're a very loud and obnoxious bunch at times, but they are fun. And when they were leaving the Big 12, I was covering the Big 12 – and my main takeaway from them leaving was, you know, I understand why they want to do this. Certainly, stability is part of it. I think, you know, if you're Texas A&M, regardless of how the tectonic plates were going to shift, A&M was always going to be okay. But I get you want to be in the SEC, you want to do all these things, make the money, um, play Alabama, you know, get the sort of SEC crest, get some of the things that, that come with that. But I said at the time... The price of that is it's going to be harder to win. It's going to be tough to do big things when you have to play in the toughest division in college football. That's not true this year. Big picture, I think it probably is. Well, we're sitting here almost a decade later. 2012, A&M has one of the most transcendent players that has ever played this sport. Johnny Football, Heisman Trophy winner. And they did not, besides that Heisman, add to their trophy case. But I did say, um, I believe at the time, and I've said many times since, if that A&M team is in the Big 12, they win the national championship that year. They beat the living heck out of uh, Oklahoma. I covered that Cotton Bowl. They embarrassed Oklahoma in that uh, in that Cotton Bowl. Well, we're back, Josh. <laughs> we're back. A&M on the precipice of the playoff gets shut out by Notre Dame. My, uh, my take for you is if, if A&M stays in the Big 12, they're sitting in the playoff right now. They've got a national championship in 2012. And they are back winning a bunch of games. And they're in the playoff. Now, I will admittedly look at the two things that you might say to counter this. One, do they have Jimbo Fisher as their head coach? I actually say yes. Because Jimbo, you know, was, was, it was not going well for him at Florida State. A&M still has, oil, still has oil money. Still could have offered that $75 million uh, check. Is it as exciting? I'm not sure, but they're still going to be desperate to win post-Kevin uh, Sullen. I think they still could have got Jimbo. Now, is recruiting as good? That's probably the one hole in this theory that there might be. You never know. There's no way to really ever say. There's so many variables at, at the value of that SEC chip in recruiting. But Texas hasn't really been lighting the world on fire, and if you've got Jimbo, he might be able to make up the difference there. So tell me, Josh, a and if they're were at a Big Twelve crest on their jersey in twenty twenty and not an SEC patch, are they in the playoff right now? 
Well, you did anticipate one of my potential rebuttals. <laughs> However, I had already shot it down because my first blush when you ran this by me was, yeah, but if they're not in the SEC, they're not paying $75 million for a coach. And then I quickly remember, no, they're Texas A&M. They pay whatever yeah, they they for a coach. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they, money, was, money was no object there. So, yes, I mean, I think you're in A territory here, I, it, for sure, because clearly this year the committee liked the Big 12. I mean, they mm-hmm. were in love with the Iowa State, They, despite a 17-point loss to Louisiana. And for reasons that none of us can, can quite understand, they were in love with the Iowa State. I think that they are that fourth team easy if they're still in the Big 12. And the recruiting aspect, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure I buy that because, I mean, we, we still live in a world where Texas takes high school football pretty seriously, right? Well, the idea was always that, okay – Texas always recruits at this level, and A&M is always kind of like a little bit lower, and they never had anything else to offer. The idea was, hey, come play in the SEC. It's the best league. You know, we're going to be able to do all these things. And and I think that for some kids that is a value. Um, Texas still the bigger brand, I think, more uh, iconic. The Aggies still kind of have that sort of – there's a little bit of an inferiority complex there, honestly, a little bit. But they wanted to be able to offer something else. And and I think there's some value in that, um, but I think if you win games, especially considering how Texas has been, uh, you know, for most of the last eight or nine years, where they're winning but not well, the way that they want to win, I think that's as big of a chip as any conference that you're in. So that's that. I think of what is recruiting like at A and M the last eight or nine years. I think is a debate, but I I got a lot of faith in Jimbo to be able to get that done and be able to out recruit Tom Herman uh, if he's in Texas. I agree. I think that's more of a Jimbo issue than an SEC issue, so to speak. You know, I think that that Texas A&M underachieved in the Big 12. You know, having seen that thing up close with the resources and the passion that they have and the fact that, let's be honest, except for, you know, five, six-year window there when Mac and Texas were rolling, Mm -hmm. you know, Texas hasn't been dominant for a long time outside of that span. I think Texas A&M underachieved in the Big 12. I think Jimbo could have turned that around no matter what league they were in. I think it was an easier path to coming out of the Big 12, certainly this year and almost every year. So I think you're exactly right. I think that the Aggies are in, in the hunt. Now, does that change things for them much? I mean, then, you know, they're number four. They're playing Alabama. Well, we've seen that. But it does get them in that conversation. And I think... I think as the Big 12 team that goes to the CFP, you know, you you put another nail in Texas's coffin and you increase that recruiting advantage. So, 360, no, 353 days, 365 minus 12, life is great and there is no drawback to being in the SEC. But when you have to play those 12 Saturdays, that's the price that you pay for, for that check and that stability. And the price tag varies. The price tag at South Carolina and Missouri and Kentucky is very, very high. And at Texas A&M, it's not as high because they're a little closer to that pack, but there's still mm-hmm. a price. Well, there you go. I look forward to angry tweets and emails from the Aggies. Uh, I'm used to it, guys. It's and, LSU, and LSU and Auburn. <laughs> I think we made them mad, too. Yeah, probably so. Well, uh, that will do it for the Wednesday edition of Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC Football Podcast. If you're not subscribed to the show, so change that. You can get this show delivered 
directly to your device from whatever podcast purveyor you choose. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you should change that at theathletic.com slash grits. Uh, we are off through the rest of the Christmas holiday, so enjoy Christmas. Keep the gathering small. Stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you on the other side. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you.